0: It's time for everyone's favorite game, Porpoise Manteau. In this game, I am going to give you a clue. And the answer to that clue is in the format of animal name noun, like foxygen. Okay, so I'm combining an animal name with a noun that you have to guess based on the clue I give you. Are we all set? Are these things... I have invented all of these. Okay, they're, they're inventions. Thank you. Yes. I will say a lot of them have to do with music and entertainment, but not all. A canine that lives in a swamp with a donkey for a best friend with whom cavorts around to a soundtrack featuring Smash Mouth. But you're close. Oh. Pup wreck? Shih Tzu Are y'all tapping out? yeah. Doger. Uh. A bird that flies over large expanses of water until it crash lands on the island of Lilliput and is imprisoned and staked down by its tiny inhabitants, Jack Black.
1: Okay. <laughs> the first part is Albatross.
2: The l- rescuers <laughs> down under. <laughs> yeah, that's just <laughs> the movie. The
1: second part is... um. Gulliver's Travels, Albatross Perot. What do we got?
0: See Gulliver's Travels. C. Oh, you did have Gulliver's Travels. I
1: had Gulliver's Travels. Why is that a Jack Black reference?
0: He's in the movie.
1: Gulliver's Travels, I remember that. You're right. Damn I forgot it. about that.
0: I was going
2: Kung Fu Panda. Probably <laughs> off.
1: It's more he's a sumo guy. Not a sumo, sorry. Mexican wrestler? Uh,
2: no, he's an actual panda who knows Kung Fu. <laughs> You're thinking
0: of uh, Nacho Libre. (laughs) (laughs) An amphibian that wrote and composed Broadway hits such as The Sound of Music and South Pacific.
1: Gecko, Rogers, and Hart, Hammerstein? Gecko, Rogers, and Hammerstein?
2: Rogers Rogers and Hammerstein? It is
0: Froggers and Hammerstein.
1: Hammerstein. Well done.
0: (laughs) A snake of the nausea genus that is made into a German sausage. (laughs) Gardner schnitzel? Close That's pretty either.
2: good. I know, two types of snakes. This is, this is not we got, working. We got out.
1: rattle. We got b- b- bow boa Co- worst Cobrat. Cobrat. Cobrat worst. Cobrat
0: worst. Very good. Joe, you've lost. Yeah, I, I'm doing I'm bad. But there's no one more left No here. one won. I should kid. be good at this. A couple of toothed whales that are clapped together to produce clicks for rhythmic accents in Spanish music.
1: Clave whale? Ca what what kind of whale though? Uh <laughs> killer. Kill, 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 killer. net? Nope.
2: Killer cassinet.
1: Blue cannet. <laughs> Sper, sperm cannet.
0: Or cassinet.
1: Do we do enough of these yet?
0: This is Deep Dive Divas. Each episode, myself and a guest diva listen to every Blessed Studio album by an artist of their choosing and share our findings with you. Our guest today is Pete. Pete is a father, a husband, but not to me, an exceptional skateboarder. And a musician whose music you can and should check out in today's show notes. He also happens to be my brother. So, how'd you hear about Foxygen? Oh,
2: the first song I heard from Foxygen was uh, How Can You Really? How
1: can you really love can't it's my all. It's your fault
2: How can't Which is actually off of Star Power and, uh, probably. Maybe one or two or three songs you could actually use as a single off of that record. Yeah. But uh, XPN was playing them at that time. And
0: okay. On the radio. Yeah, yeah. So just the, randomly. The... XPN. Yeah. For the uninitiated, XPN is uh, the radio station of the University of Pennsylvania, sponsored by Subaru. Woo! Like, what, what grabbed you about it? Like, so why? Like, why uh, was it interesting to you?
2: Definitely, I noticed like the catchiness of it, and uh, I immediately thought Todd Rundgren. You know, just that like classic kind of like hooky 70s yeah that particular kinda.
1: record i feel like it all bounces between like rungrin and bowie me, and the was plain to see
0: far as artists that we cover on here they might be i think they definitely are one of the more obscure bands that we've talked about
2: yeah i mean besides yeah uh it's it's hard they're hard to to compare i mean they have like the theatricality and stuff of like a maybe a meatloaf or something like that Mm -hmm. or uh, who would you
1: have lumped them in with at the time for me it was like of montreal we're MGMT.
0: Sort of. uh, that's where I was going. I think MGMT. Okay, MGMT is much though. catchier. Like I think right. they're more
2: pop.
1: But yeah, I guess you're right. Now
2: you know, like the Lemon Twigs, they're like kind of like yeah. students of them, though. Yeah, and even Foxygen, each album has such a different
0: sound. So Foxygen are an indie rock group formed in Westlake Village, California. They're sort of hard to lump into any single genre, uh, but their music generally contains elements of psychedelic nature as well as experimental rock. So in 2005, follow me back, if you will, Jonathan Rado and Sam France, these two guys start a band uh, during their freshman year at Agora High School. The
1: online program?
0: No. And Jonathan Rado... Says, quote, we were in another band that was kind of like The Doors or some shit. And and Sam took all these recordings that we made and put overdubs of scissor noises and just banging a cup on them. The rest of the band fucking hated it. They were like, this isn't like The Doors. I loved it. And we just started to keep doing that sort of shit together. You can definitely
2: tell experimentation is like a key component, especially the first three records, Mm -hmm. you know, just like trying whatever, doing whatever sound wise you like. Do you guys think the doors would be better
1: if there was a guy playing with scissors
2: and and cups? Yeah, yeah. I'd love to see that band. I think they had enough going on. <laughs> <laughs> the scissor player was you necessary. Think more is the door is problem. Maybe yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you're right. Just another person for the drummer day.
0: <laughs> so these two kids are like 14 when they meet, and they will spend. The rest of their adolescent and the majority of their adult lives together. Sam says of their relationship, quote, We are too close to not have a life together unless we had some epic falling out. We've been through so much of that. I don't even know how the fuck we could break up at this point. We've been through absolutely every horrible thing. So the name Foxygen... Did not come from them playing a game like this. It came from the name of one of Sam's friends who said that a guy she found attractive was like her Foxygen. Foxygen. Like she, oxygen. she needed it to mm. breathe. Yes. But it's, it's not just but regular also, oxygen. Were, it's sexy, too. They were really hot. Mm-hmm. So with their weird little band here, uh, they end up taking first place at their Battle of the Bands the year they form. And they will start playing local shows, even though they're not actually old enough to play in many of these venues, uh, including the Whiskey A Go Go. They'll play at a bunch of these fairly big name places as teenagers. But most of the shows were at school at various functions. Jonathan says they would go on stage and fuck around with a melodica and a guitar. Uh, We wanted to play everything, so I went on eBay and bought every strange instrument. I would buy an accordion or a xylophone, we would bring them into shows, and we couldn't really play any of them, but it worked for some reason. Sounds awful to me. That sounds so annoying. (laughs) I wish I could have
1: had that childhood. (laughs) To
0: watch someone do that live on stage sounds No, I want to do it. I don't want to watch it. Oh, got it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, So over the course of the next four years, they put out four different (laughs) EPs. Their first uh, proper record is entitled Jurassic Explosion Philippic. Uh, And just to give you a sense of how irritating that is, it is spelled J-U-R-R-A-S-S-I-C-E-X-X-P-L-O-S-I-O-N-P-H-I-L-L-I-P-I-C. And just reading it that way kind of gives me like something of an anxiety attack. Can you you repeat that again? (laughs) Nope. It has 36 tracks on it.
1: Yeah. I had never heard that
0: it's it's
2: it's if I could be so rude uh huh, and I really don't even want to talk about it on record because I don't think it I don't acknowledge it as the first record I think Uh-oh. their first
0: record is take the kids off Broadway yeah so this is a point of contention because um the band basically pulled this so it, it's really them messing around like they're not doing this in a record studio or anything there's no one producing it or guiding them it's just like if you gave kids recording equipment to a certain degree and just saw what they come up with like this is exactly and they, yeah, that they have record.
1: a room full of uh, broken instruments that they sure. even. right they, they, they
0: pretty much pulled this and it's not until much later uh that they remind fans that it even exists on their Twitter and Facebook. A lot of people would not consider this to be uh, the first proper record. They do, though, so that's why I'm oh, including it here, yes. That's sweet. They describe it as a space opera record. Sam said, we were babies. Neither of us had hit puberty yet. Our voices were extremely high. You can't get this on Spotify. It's it's still fairly difficult to uh, find copies of it around circulating even on youtube when i sent it to you um they had pulled it twice yeah between when i sent it to you and when you actually listen to it so it does get taken down a lot Which this is- record to me sounds like a mixture of like beck and cake but not nearly as good as either uh the lyrics are just kind of like random word generator garbage kind of um, like the album name yeah exactly um, so what they were probably 16 or 17 yeah when they put 16 this years out. old 16 yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah so even for that though you could still see like the vision like in songs like mama for like sure. it's still like you could see like they they kind of have an idea of what they want to do mm-hmm. and even with the nonsense too like incorporating as many instruments as possible <laughs> I read that um, Rado was inspired by a uh, documentary they watched about the guy from Brian Jonestown Massacre, mm-hmm. uh, Anton Newcomb. So was it that movie Dig? Yeah, yeah, it was, and yeah. how he played, like, he learned how to play, like, 75 different instruments, yep. and that, like, stuck with him, so it was, like, anything and everything was up for grabs.
0: I got a sense John Rado was kind of, like, I have to, you're not a musician unless you yeah. basically have, like, this breakdown and learn a billion instruments. Yeah,
2: yeah, he's all about the self-production aspect of it, too, like, I think yeah. they produced single-handedly almost all their records right. until yeah. they meet Richard Swift.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It it does feel a bit unfair to evaluate this like any record because it is kids messing around. But you're right. There's definitely something to it and there's something there. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, I feel like a lot of kids might be capable of putting something like this together. Um, the issue is kids grow up and they drift apart. And a lot of these like high school bands never really amount to anything. But these two guys stick together for the rest of their lives. So we kind of get to see what the end conclusion of that is.
2: They must have that like... Anthony Kiedis, Flea type, like, yeah. inseparable mm. actual best friends who became musician Bandmates, partners yeah. and all that. Stuff. For sure.
0: I think that if they had someone actually producing it and, like, had an adult in the room, they could have put together a really interesting, like, 10 to 12-song record. But yeah. that's 36, and it just is super meandering and never ends. It's just everything they did, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Even did, if
2: they uh, had the equipment... That kids have today, they would like if they had garage Band, that probably record might even sound better. And oh, that's kind I of guess amazing that it existed, but Yeah.
0: This is two thousand seven and it's kind of amazing that it evolved that quickly. Yeah. In like yeah. a decade it, it would be a whole different story now. Yeah, back yeah. then it was
1: you plug a microphone in, you record it. You can you can make it sound a little different, but it's not there's no kind of beat mapping software and garage yeah, yeah, Yeah. Like what I imagine they weren't using. Uh, quantizers particularly much. Like, I imagine there's a lot of... Oh, you can
0: tell they're not. (laughs) Yeah, there's a a
1: lot of equipment that today is taken for granted that back then, you could buy that, Right. (laughs) you know, but you had to buy it. Yeah. It probably didn't work as good as it does for free now.
0: In 2011, they take their EPs with them to a bunch of established band shows, and they just hand them out, um, which is like a, you know, a tale as old as time. Um, Shows the hustle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And they're not just doing this in California. They'll uh, like anytime they go to see a show at another city, they will bring copies of that with them. Uh, So they go to see a band called Minor Birds in New York City. Um, I wasn't familiar with them, but, like, they're kind of in a lot of, like, that early 2000s New York City sort of scene. Like, everyone knows who they are, but I, I had never heard them. Hmm. And one man named Richard Swift is walking out of that show, and they just hand him one of the EPs. Like, they don't know who he is. He's just, you know, another guy in the crowd. So who is this Richard Swift? Well, he was a producer for bands ranging from Fleet Foxes to Gustard to... Uh, Recording artist Nathaniel Rateliff and member he, of the Arks. He also serves as a member of the Shins, the Arks, the, and the Black Keys in various capacities in various times. Ooh, wow, what a mm-hmm. list! Yeah. yeah,
1: those are for indie rock. That's a kind of a disparate list. I don't think of those bands as being.
2: He he put out solo <laughs> records too, and they. And if you like music in that same vein, if you're an arc you'll fan, probably like it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. rest that? in peace. Yeah, he passed uh, away, really? what a, Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: that's a shame. Richard Swift basically advocates for them to get signed to this record label called Jag Jaguar Records, uh, yeah. who are a member of the Secret League group along with Dead Oceans and Secret League Canadian. We were talking about uh, the yeah, yeah, yeahs, and they're signed to Secret League Canadian in 2012. They put out a single entitled Make It Known That May, and just a few. Months later, on July 24th, Take the Kids Off-Broadway comes out, which I think is a fabulous title for an album. I yeah. really like that. I think <laughs>
2: it's ironic, too, for like a such a theatrical album to yeah, be like, get man. the kids. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, talking about other kids, like you're 17. They're now veterans of the music <laughs> scene. He does not sound like a kid, though, no. on that. He sounds like a grown and like he knows how to sing and uh, mm-hmm. found his voice. Yep, I get a lot of like Mick Jagger vibes, especially from that song in particular, Make It Known.
1: I want to see his dumb oh, Take pictures, take pictures where blood runs down the road.
0: So I don't think I said this, uh, but Sam France is the lead singer of the group, and he's just kind of the front man, whereas John Rado seems to do pretty much all of the music. These two guys play all of the instruments on Take the Kids Off Broadway themselves. I
2: I love Take the Kids Off Broadway. I gave it an eight and a half out of 10 Mm Mm-hmm and uh yeah i just love all of it the the whole show tunes vibe it's like got the the hints of like the broadway theatric stuff mixed with the avant-garde it's not too out there like uh star power maybe now
1: that you're wasted i think that you should know how you're not on the baseline i took it out of you but i'm not following the system so i can't believe it's done the the I said i see you later. But I'm a businessman. besides I'm walking down the jet beam boulevard. Walking down the jet Jesus, walking down Hollywood.
0: Uh, This is my favorite record by the band. Um, I do like the musical influence on it. Um, And again, that's really wild that they're, you know, I guess they're in their early 20s by this point. Yeah, a lot of these songs have... They're not really following the traditional verse, chorus, verse structure. Like, there are a lot of random interludes and all sorts of things, much like a musical production. Yeah, Teenage Alien Blues is really varied and interesting but it just goes on for way too long for me like this needs to be i'm, I'm not with it to like entertain uh their erratic ideas and everything <laughs> for that long like i want them to i feel like when you are putting art out there you should also have to make choices it shouldn't just be everything you recorded that day it should be like curated to a certain degree i really like middle school dance uh, i think it's super erratic but it's more cohesive in the variety than alien blues um that
2: almost sounds like it could come from like a Grease soundtrack yeah. or something yeah, yeah,
0: like yeah. some kind of soundtrack from that
2: sure or, that's the one dedicated for richard swift right in yes Friends so
0: uh middle school dance song for richard swift is my yummy yummy track um, no they really they got it in there early um <laughs> but i don't just just for me like i think that this is an extraordinarily creative band and innovative in a lot of ways and to me the song so showcases that This brings us to 2013. In March, Fuse TV names Foxygen among the 30 must-see artists at South by Southwest this year. So they're performing at some of the bigger music festivals across the country. At that time, that you right? can say
2: safely, South by Southwest was like the, the who. platform
0: for upcoming bands, mm-hmm. right? Right, like, yeah. Even Coachella today, might
1: but. be great, but they're... You're seeing established artists yeah. on the yeah. you know main stage. And no
0: one there is discovering Billie Eilish when she plays.
2: Right. right people were coming to South by Southwest and then leaving with record deals or
0: and, right. you know managers.
1: Yeah, being just being a kid, like that was the dream. You get to play South by. Yeah. You know?
0: So in March of 2013, they put out their record. We are the 21st century ambassadors of peace and magic. <laughs> they really nail it on these album uh, titles also produced by richard swift and the lead off track to that was shuggy that was the first single off of this record mm-hmm. pitchfork gives it an 8.4 which is high high praise from pitchfork this they very much feel like a band to me that pitchfork would love
1: hey man, have a soda. it's on the house remember what i told you about the rooms inside this house but you don't love me that's news to me That's news to me That's news to I think you And I
0: NME, the publication (coughs) Across the Pond. Cheerio. Boo. (laughs) Is that for people who aren't in America? Leah,
2: let me clarify. That's actually specifically for the Queen of England.
0: (laughs) 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 Do you think she got hers in the end? No. By dying? Unfortunately yeah.
2: not. In a golden casket? Yeah. No, I don't know. Surrounded don't so. by love. Hold on. I think she died universe.
0: outside of the casket. You think they put her in the casket and in there she died? Oh yeah, I don't think she even put up a fight. I think they were like,
2: <laughs> "All right, we're going to do tea in this really cool golden padded." Well, <laughs> little...
1: I would love the press conference where they're like, "The Queen's going to die any minute. We got the men at arms ready to go." Um, Men
0: at Work is going to play the (laughs) halftime show And then they they just kind of They
1: interview her in the casket They're like are you ready to go She's like of course I've seen the rise and fall Of the the greatest period of the British Empire Um, I got to meet Elton John Uh, Yeah I'm ready to go and, uh, you know, uh, what, did, what did you learn along the way? Uh, you know, the love you'd make is equal to the love you'd take or whatever. And then, uh, you know, eventually she just stops answering questions. And they're like, all right, we did it. And they close the casket and they pick it up. And they-
0: so NME, they said, quote, Foxygen has managed to spray every shade from their bizarre technicolor imaginations onto a record that bursts with lovable eccentricities, but never tries too hard. And I think that is a very good summation of this one it doesn't feel douchey pretentious it just feels normal pretentious yeah goofy pretentious
1: no
2: I think like especially on like San Francisco I think they just wanted to make some relaxed songs for once you know what I mean
0: Um, I found this to have less variety than Take the Kids Off Broadway, um, but also I don't think it's more interesting for that. I think some of what I really liked about Take the Kids Off Broadway was how unfocused it was in a lot of ways, um, and they definitely are way more focused on this one, but that to me, it lost something in that.
2: Yeah, I think Blue Mountain was kind of their... Uh teenage alien blues like they're like wild like exploration track that almost doesn't fit the rest of the album but it's like right in the middle you know
0: One track, uh, and specifically one line from one track, uh, called No Destruction, has the line, There's no need to be an asshole." You're not in Brooklyn anymore. That has received a lot of attention, especially from the hipsters of New York. The band was getting interviewed uh, and had this funny exchange. Jonathan says, Sam doesn't like New York. Last time we were there, we had a horrible time. We got robbed at Webster Hall. New York's fucked Sam over quite a bit. To which Sam says, We lived together in Astoria, Queens, in an apartment that we didn't ever get evicted from, but we were not offered an opportunity to renew the lease. Uh, They threatened to throw us out a lot because we made an album in the apartment. It's Astoria. It's not like a cool place like Brooklyn. Astoria's all families pissed off at Sam for screaming in the middle of the night. It was just really cheap. Sam was a professional babysitter there. So they made money. (laughs) Pitchfork interviews Sam in kind, and he says, quote, We play uh, with a lot of these up-and-coming bands. And it's just like, God, I don't like the sound of people ripping off the dirty projectors. This sucks, dude. <laughs> and this is, like, where I start to see Sam as a very unpleasant person. And I think he starts to get very jaded by the music industry um, following the, the release of We Are the 21st Ambassadors, A Piece of Magic.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think he... he he I think he's like the cool like theater kid and I think he gets like too good or like too cool for his own good at some point. You know what I mean? Mm.
0: And it just seems like he starts to hate this. Like he hates playing live, I think. I think he hates the recording process. I think he hates dealing with these people in the music industry
2: yeah i think so too i think he hates getting attention and uh doesn't know what to do with it and it's weird because
0: he fights so hard to get the attention and then when he gets it he's almost resentful of people for giving it to him yeah kind of like kurt cobain where like he was mad at people for being fans of him you know yeah it's almost like that criticisms and praise
2: like you can't handle either or Mm -hmm. you know like and he you could tell he starts to really have a hard time with it and the more of an outlet he gets and the more people interviewing him and stuff he gets, like you could tell he he's starting to let it be known. You guys have
0: anything else to say about Twenty First? One of my favorite albums. Of all time?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. When it came I'm a out a really big fan too. I listened to it constantly for two years. Um I don't know why exactly. I just I just found I guess I liked the way that it, um, changes a lot. I think that the songs feel really fleshed out, but not overly serious. Again, it sounds really clean. It sounds really clear. and it's just really just kind of fun, silly music.
0: For those of you keeping score, in 2012, they put out their, you know, really debut record uh, that like was done through a record company and everything. and they put out an album every year. Uh, so in 2014, The record dot, 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 and Star Power is released. Um, It's a concept album about a fictional band called Star Power. Uh, And it was running gun recorded at home and in various hotels in Los Angeles. They seem to like making albums where they're really not supposed to. Uh, It's also a double record. It has 24 tracks. (laughs) Uh, These 24 tracks are divided into five parts. The first part is entitled The Hits. The second part, Star Power Suite third the paranoid side fourth scream Colin, journey through hell and five hang on to love that to me is such a theater thing like this oh, this yeah. is very much going back to take kids off broadway
2: and how they end this album with the title of their next album mm-hmm. it's all yeah yeah they, they tease the sequel out. it's yeah. pretty
0: wild um there is no other personnel listed at all in the credits of this album. They made the entire thing themselves.
2: So this was the first piece of Foxygen music I owned any like physical uh, forms of. You got and your money's worth. It's
0: 24 tracks long. Yeah, it's a yeah. lot of music. My, my lovely wife got it for Christmas, I believe. And, for you uh, or for yourself and you stole it? Uh, was it a for weird. you, for me gift? Uh,
2: hmm. Who needs to get into the details on the record? Girl i think they really wanted to make a an album in a hotel room like on their own i think they wanted to really like stretch the boundaries i think that at this point they were like all right let's let's get weird with it nothing's off the table you know mm-hmm. i think some of it's terrible i think some of it turned out pretty good like even the crazy stuff like i uh, like 666 and wally's farm and stuff like that i can still get into sure
1: As a fan, a huge fan, a super fan of 21st Century, this was a big disappointment for me. Yeah, I liked the scope. I liked the idea, but I didn't like the execution.
0: Uh, so the band goes on tour to support the record, and they balloon to a nine-member band, complete with strings, backing, vocals, the, the, the works, you know?
2: I, I read that they went up to a 40-piece orchestra outfit. Yep. Yeah, they, they the just keeps growing. Yeah. yeah.
0: And Star Power comes out in 2014, and then there's a pretty big gap. Uh, they won't put out another record until 2017. And the only real music we get in between that is a song called 24 Hour Lover Man, which is basically Jimi Hendrix's manic depression, and then they just kind of scream over it, and it's all really <laughs> distorted. It's wild. <laughs> So that brings us to 2017, where they put out their record, Hang, at the start of the year. Um, And this features collaborations with members of the Flaming Lips, the Lemon Twigs, and over 40 members in this orchestra, as Pete said. The band says this is also a concept album. It seems like that's kind of all they're capable of making. I gave it the worst score
2: out of all their records. Mm. I gave it a 6 out of 10. Why is that? um, Just because it has the most amount of songs that I skip over out of any. Got it uh probably even more than star power to be honest uh there's just some songs like i i get it i get the idea and stuff but it's just not what i'm listening to foxygen for yeah you
0: know trauma is the only song on it i want to hear again really Mm -hmm. that's my
2: yucky yucky song
0: Interesting. Yes. Why I
2: it, it honestly I didn't even want to pick it. I don't really have an icky yucky song. That, <laughs> that, that, out me. of all the songs, that's probably the one I'm gonna skip oh. the fastest. Okay. Uh just that it, it just doesn't do any that song or that album's so theatrical and so just over the top for me. Uh yeah. I to like to psychedelics.
1: Could continue telling my story with them. Yeah. I listened to Hang once, and I don't know that I actually didn't skip songs during that listen. Yeah, I think I just was not impressed with uh, any of it.
2: Talk about sad, though. That's a, those are the saddest stories. I think they have really? some of them. Like Mrs. Adams is especially sad. Yeah, somebody I I gave her the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you want to be sad, put that on. <laughs> Go
1: back. Hey, Mrs. Adams. What's it doing now with the gun? Seems like a ringing endorsement from you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I have to do
0: that right away. They definitely are curating this record more uh, compared to the twenty-four tracks of its predecessor. Um, it's a much tighter record, but I just—it's kind of boring to me.
2: I think it's their like contradictory form to put out their most like cra- their craziest, wildest album, and then their most concise. I think mm-hmm. straight that I think this album sticks to a theme more strictly than any other album that they put yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. But follow the leader. Oh my god, when I first heard that, it was like hearing uh, it was yeah. like hearing how could you really for the first time again? You know, like just catchy as hell and, and I I liked it.
1: Fall.
0: Jonathan says, quote, after the Hang album and tour, we were very sick of the 1970s. We wanted to try to make something that wasn't really influenced by a specific time period. And I think that that will come to light in 2019, two years later, uh, that February, they announced they have a new record coming out and final record coming out to date. Yes. Um, well, we it. have a, we have a habit of telling people it's the last record, and then like within a month, there's another one announced. Or uh, in the case of Red Hot Chili Peppers, two came yeah. out after we recorded it.
2: Yeah. It's, it sounded like they were on the hi- indefinite hiatus. Yes, Definitely on awesome. touring, but who knows about recording?
1: Everybody's on the LCD Sound System, the Who model
0: now. Oh yeah, like, yeah.
1: We were broken up because last time ever. We can't get it together right now, yep. but we'll see yeah. y'all in So that means years. we're gone forever. <laughs> yeah.
0: Until we don't... Until we
1: may we... well never get back, so just act like we are. Yeah. <laughs> never going to get back.
0: So this is where we really start to get a lot of insight in what is going on with the band, uh, because Sam France has had it with being a musician as a career um, and with the music industry and how Foxygen has been treated, Uh, so he just starts going on a ton of interviews, so there's way more information available about the band at this time than any other record, uh, because Sam France is just talking to anyone and just trashing his experience, so Sam France says, quote, I was singing a lot about our career itself, I wasn't at the point uh, a lot of people told me I would be at when we started, all the bullshit that management and everyone tells you, you're going to be huge. Just letting that dream die is a lot of what this record is about. We never became a mainstream band. We have no money. All the things that these greasy, fake hipster bros told us to promote all this stuff for them and do all this stuff for free, it was all lies. That's a big theme of the record. <laughs> he is a very <laughs> upset guy. Yeah, sounds he's
2: salty. He's I mean, pissed, man.
1: Yeah, sounds, sounds reasonable to me.
2: I mean, they started so early and probably
0: got, you know how that game goes. So the band does want to branch out a little bit and bring some more uh, members into the band. And they first pursue Andy Newmark, who played with Bowie, Sly and the Family Stone, Roxy, Roxy Music, uh, to play drums on the record. But he has to travel and he can't do it. So Andy Newmark says, I can't do it, but I have a friend who I think would be great with you guys. And his name is Jim Keltner. And Jim Keltner agrees to play on the record. Now, who is Jim Keltner? Let's ask Jonathan Rado who Jim Keltner is. Quote, he's in his 70s, but he has more energy than I do. We'd record three songs and it would be like 11 p.m. And he'd be like, what's next, guys? He was ready to go all night. If you've ever heard of The Beatles... (laughs) Jim Keltner has played with all of them in their solo endeavors.
1: Randy Newman, Mm -hmm. um, Michael Jackson, I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I, I heard an interview with Jim Keltner once where they said, how do you determine what projects you will and won't play on? And he goes, oh, I don't. I just say yes. (laughs)
0: But you've heard his work. If you if you like music from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today, uh, you <laughs> probably have heard Jim Keltner play the drums. I really love this story. Uh, there's a story about how um, how much he just likes playing with random things and anything like turning anything into percussion. Uh, so one day he brings in this gigantic to- uh, shaker that um, Keltner said that Tom Waits had given him, and he always. Brought it into the studio with him Hoping a band would let him play it on there And everyone kept shooting him down <laughs> so They claimed it was like The size of a 2x4 um, And Foxygen was like Cool, you can play that with us And you can hear it on their track uh, The Conclusion
2: We should just I
0: he also plays trash on the track work as in he literally went out back of the studio found a bunch of track and just beats on it that's
2: insane (laughs) because i always thought those drums sounded like trash (laughs) like (laughs) in some parts uh, it was literal trash
0: So, all of this work and personnel culminates on their last album, Seeing Other People. It's much groovier and synthier and I think better than the vast majority of uh, their other music.
2: This is news to you. I'm getting deja vu hearing that, <laughs> but <laughs> it is news to me. I would agree with that. I think it's definitely got a clear and concise groove about it, it's got the, the heavy synth lace tracks.
1: I was. Uh, I'm excited to listen to it. See, as a fan, I jumped off at Worry because I didn't like it, and it felt like they put out a bloated album, and then they put out an album that didn't entertain me in a different way, and so I just wasn't tuned in when this came out. I wasn't interested. Yeah. Um, uh, in learning about Jim Keltner being involved, and uh, I just heard some of it for the first time. Uh, and it sounds like Beck. I love Beck.
2: Yeah. I mean, if you follow the evolution though of the band, it it's i mean i at least i didn't expect this to be where they were going you know i didn't expect them to make like a heavy like almost like a dark pop i
0: don't know mm-hmm. what you how you define mm-hmm. it but it, I, think adult. It, I think it gets thrown under the umbrella of chamber pop sometimes
1: yeah i think they they kind of fit like, in like um the association or the left bank <laughs>
0: Despite this being probably their most accessible record, uh, they don't take it on tour. You have to consider that this band, in uh, their desire to tour with like 40 to 50 members, um, they're not making any money when they go on tours. These are failing endeavors. And Sam France says in an interview, quote, I wanted to have some songs that would make me some money or that we could tour on, but then I decided I didn't want to tour anyway. I made that album that should have been really toured and promoted. The album that could have made us a crossover band. Then I decided, fuck it, I don't want to do that.
2: I get the feeling a lot of times throughout their career that like the band does whatever Sam wants to do, and and Rado kind of is just like going along. All right, man, whatever you want to do, you know what I mean. Like whatever we can do to keep either keep music making music or not make music, you know, like just make up your mind. Or I'm gonna do whatever you want to do, pretty much.
0: Right. And here's the thing about that, Jonathan Rado. Um, it's not like he needs Sam. It seems more like the opposite is true. Uh, Jonathan Rado since 2016 has been serving as a producer for other acts ranging from Tim Heidecker to the Lemon Twigs, who they worked with, uh, on their own records. Uh, Father John Misty. Yeah, that was a surprise
2: to me. I did not know, uh, he produced the God's Favorite Customer album until this, but, uh, once, once you start diving in, you can start to pick up on the Foxygen aspects of it. Yeah,
1: I never, I never knew that. Um, but now that I think about it, I can hear it on a song like, uh, was it uh, Mr. Tillman?
2: Yeah, yeah. I
1: think that song sounds very much like San Francisco yeah. or other Foxygen songs. Um, and I think in a certain sense, uh, Father John Misty was reigning in his
0: sound on that right? <laughs> Jonathan Rado will also work with The Killers on their last two records, uh, Imploding the Mirage and Pressure Machine. So he's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Meaning what becomes of Sam France? Well, Sam France says uh, that he'll work with anyone, (laughs) which is always good. Quote, (laughs) I don't have any biases or complexes. If people are willing to pay, I'll go wherever they want me to go and give my two cents on the record. I'm not an extremely, well, yeah, I am. I'm a great producer and an accomplished songwriter. I was writing charting records by the age of 21. I've done production on all of Foxygen's records. I've ghostwritten records for other people. I've sung on hundreds of records. I'm a performance artist. I'm an actor. I'll do any type of entertainment work by the hour for anyone who needs it. I do it all.
1: Do you think you pronounced it performance artiste?
0: (laughs) How
2: much do you think it would cost to have Sam France for, say, a birthday party or Bummit's fifth?
0: He says he will go anywhere. <laughs>
2: Does he mention an hourly rate or is it just,
0: is that a business card?
2: Do you have a favorite memory
0: uh, associated with Foxygen?
2: I was really blown away seeing them live. Mm. I thought uh, Rado's uh, multi instrumentalism, I didn't think it was going to transfer live but I was really impressed with the size of the band they brought. And uh, again, I can remember clear as day, him going back and forth, soloing on piano and guitar, without, like, doing it in a way that was, like, cool as shit, but not, like, did he have, not, um, like corny, you know what I mean? Like it Did was he have just,
1: the guitar was, on the, like, free stand where you don't have to wear nah, it? Nah, he was
2: throwing that shit behind his back, like uh, a cowboy, yeah, and going to the piano
1: was he then playing picking back up and throwing it behind his back and playing yeah and then
2: he threw the piano behind his back Mm -hmm. when he was playing guitar which was like a cowboy yeah like Bon Jovi. this guy sounds
1: like some kind of cowboy
2: uh like on a steel horse he rides
0: if you rearrange Ah. the letters of oxygen it spells john wayne Each episode, we like to highlight the up-and-coming work of a discography-developing diva. Today, that is Rosemont Sound Company. Rosemont Sound Company is headed by Pete, the guest on this show. Wow, this is unprecedented. It is now time to sit on the dock of the bay and watch the tide roll away. Ooh. With Rosemont Sound Company and there his track natural truth What scholarship means,
2: what a school means, the original meaning was scholar, lesion.
0: It is yourself, your own nature, and all nature around you. There are going to be mistakes. But if you don't trust it at all, you're going to strangle yourself. You can hear more from Rosemont Sound Company. Contact us to submit your own music for consideration, view our citations, listen to a playlist of our favorite Foxygen songs, and support Deep Dive Divas by following the link in this episode's show notes.
2: Jonathan Rado was going on this podcast to talk about Todd Rundgren. And I reached out to Jonathan Rado to ask him about, uh, you know, just kind of let him know we were doing this podcast. And if I had a couple questions of my own, I wanted to know if tour was, you know, completely hiatus from tour recording or what. So I reached out to him and uh, in turn, he reached out to Instagram and asked me to not reach out to him anymore. So we won't be (laughs) communicating anymore. (laughs) So that's where we're at. (laughs)